RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. became the weekday. Monday became a Tuesday. The afternoon became the evening. And the rest was inevitable. It's Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion, and Ken Ray is in the shop for some routine maintenance. Something about a ball bearing or a crankshaft. Not too good with this kind of stuff, so you'll just have to take my word for it. In the meantime, joining me this week, a good friend and a very special guest. You know him. You love him. You don't know what to make of him. He's the co-host of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. We will welcome Elijah momentarily to the show. Can't wait for you all to meet him because you've heard us talk about Priority One, and now you get to meet the man. But you know the drill by now. Mission Log Live is the show where you, our Star Trek pals, join us your Star Trek pals, to talk about Star Trek. And it's not just limited to Trek. Nope, it could be anything you like because we are here for you and tonight's show is all about you. You've sent us questions and comments. I've been looking through the news. I've been reading everything that I can. We might answer some of your questions. might not. We don't just make up an answer. But we've got you standing by, ready to call in to join us in the Zoom meeting. So you can join us by clicking on that Zoom meeting link that you'll find in the Facebook uh, post, or you can use the one smartphone, or you can even call us at 669-900-6833, then punch in the meeting code. Those numbers are on screen for your convenience. Now, normally at this time, I like to say hello to everybody who is in the chat. We'll get back to that in just a second. But joining us now, hot off the heels of recording Priority One, Let's welcome Elijah. Elijah, how are you tonight, and uh, how'd the show go? Thank you, John, for the uh, the amazing introduction. Yeah, it was a great show. We had uh, Anthony, uh, one of our hosts, just had a baby, and but uh, Anthony had a baby. Yeah, well, his wife had a baby. Okay, that's all right. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, so he's he's going to be uh, taking care of his family for the next two weeks, and uh, uh, we are. Uh, filling in the gap with our new host, of course, Kat. Uh, and this week we had Star Trek Online's community manager, Ambassador Kel, join us as a guest host. So it was a, a great episode. And then at the very end, at the very end of the, of our, of our live stream, um, Star Trek Online's lead designer, Al Rivera came on and oh. Kat, uh, one of the, the latest ships, the, one of the latest ships in the game, a D7 from the Discovery era that just, was released uh, last week, I think. I was. Uh, ah. It was a, a real, pl- uh, real pleasant surprise for Cat uh, as a new member of the team. It was a kind of a welcome aboard, welcome to the family kind of thing. Uh, so it was very nice of them. Where it's it was it was great. Excellent. Well, I'm so glad that you could join us tonight, and I know that it is not easy to do back-to-back podcasts, back-to-back recordings, so I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining. And now we're going to say hi to uh, to some folks who are in the chat. We got Scott Palm, we got Rick, we got Carlos. Carlos says Ken is getting his robot guts checked, and uh, and you're absolutely right. Uh, Finn, with a shout-out to you, Elijah, all uh, exclamation points, all caps right there. Uh, we got Paul. We got uh, Dave, we got Kim, uh, we got Cosmo. He says Ken is at the station Picard went diehard at. <laughs> so I think you're uh, you're probably right there. We got Matthew. Uh, let's see here. There's David Tkechi. We got Penny, uh, Josh, just uh, so many of our friends who are checking in with us. Glad to see you all there. And, of course, to all of you 
don't forget to call in because, I mean, look, Elijah and I could talk all night, really could, but that would be a lot less interesting for you unless you're here on the line with us. So give us a ring, click on the uh, the Zoom meeting link and join us, and we'll, we'll talk Shrek. Or if you want to know what Elijah had for lunch, uh, he'll tell you that too, or he'll just make up a story. Uh, so we, of course, want to thank you all for checking us out here live on Facebook, or if you catch the video later at youtube.com slash Roddenberry Prod, that is cool too. Or certainly the audio only podcast. Well, we welcome you there too. Wherever you find us, please hit like, please hit share and let the world know that we'd like everyone to join us here on Tuesdays to talk track. And you know, look, uh, Elijah, I'm tuning my own horn about Mission Log Live. And for the longest time, we would promote P1 coming up after our show. But it's worth reminding everybody that you guys now precede us. You're recording at 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, is that right? 8 p.m. Uh, uh, Eastern. Yep. That is right. That is right. We uh, Because now a majority of our hosting team, actually everyone of our hosting team is now on the East Coast, uh, it's easier for us to start before and earlier in the night so that we're not up until the wee hours of the All morning. Right. Uh, recording. So we are live on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we're live on Facebook. We're live on Twitter via Periscope. We're live on YouTube. We're live on Twitch. Uh, and like I said earlier today, we have uh, occasionally a very special guest, sometimes surprise guests drop by from Star Trek Online. So we encourage you to uh, trek us out on Tuesday nights at 8, uh, right before Mission Log, because it's a much different show than what we produce on Fridays. Very good. By the way, uh, I, I don't know what, uh, Carlos, I don't know how I prompted this. What if we poke John with a pain stick? Really? Really? Unless that's the name of a tiki drink. <laughs> then then, then uh, lay on. That's fine. That's good. Uh, hey, let's talk about uh, some business coming up. And uh, then we're going to get to our poll question. And then we're going to, I know that we have at least one call. We got Brian standing by, so we're going to get to him. Uh, let's see here. Coming up. San Diego Comic-Con, uh, we've got panels. We have the Roddenberry Presents panel. We will also have the Podcasters panel that Larry Nemechek puts together every year. But in between, we're going to have the Mission Log Libre meetup that is July 18th at 4 o'clock at Havana 1920. Uh, so come to that. It's very informal, so informal. I have not told Havana 1920 that we're coming. But they have this great upstairs bar. I got to hang out there a lot last year. It was a blast. So if you're going to be in San Diego for Comic-Con, get away from the convention for at least a little while. Come have a drink with me and Ken and a bunch of other Mission Log listeners and Mission Log friends. Your Star Trek pals will all be there. Then we will all be at STLV. That, of course, is Star Trek Las Vegas. Uh, starting on July 30th, that's when we have the landing party. That's the early, the Tuesday night party for all you early arrivers. Then the convention runs Wednesday through Sunday. So much happening there. There's the Roddenberry panel. There's the Mission Log panel. There's the Roddenberry Podcast Network panel. Elijah, you probably have other stuff going on there, right? Nothing we're ready to announce yet. Okay, then uh, forget <laughs> it. Then just come come to the table and hang out with uh, Elijah and me and Ken and Allie and the women at Warp and uh, so many people. It'll be a jam-packed uh, Roddenberry podcast table this year. So come by there and come by for the fire sale on all the products <laughs> because this is it for the Roddenberry products. So if you're in Vegas, uh, bring your cash over to the Roddenberry table. This is it. This is the end of the line for Roddenberry products. Uh, and then, uh, Elijah, you got some notes about, uh, stuff coming up, uh, where you're going to be. That's right. Actually, this Thursday, just two days from now, uh, the Roddenberries, a 
Star Trek themed rock band is doing their second album release. Now, John, you remember the Roddenberries were at the, um, they played on the stage, on the Roddenberry stage on the 50th anniversary at STOV. Yes, uh, and they're host- awesome. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So they're doing their second album release party uh, with very special guest J.G. Hertzler. And he's going to be in full costume the whole night. Like, that's going to be crazy. That's going to be nuts. Him is Martok. Uh, that's happening June 27th at the World Cafe Live in Philadelphia. Uh, you can get tickets on TicketFly.com. Do a Facebook search for The Roddenberries. You can also go to Rod- TheRoddenberries.com. Uh, tickets are on sale. And uh, it's. I'm really looking forward to this event. We interviewed them a few weeks ago. They're excited. They're a, a bunch of Star Trek fans just as much as the next person. Uh, and they've got great music. I, I, can't, I can't wait for this party. I really can't. Excellent. Uh, that's very good. Hey, by the way, as you were doing that, I was taking a look in the uh, chat. Apparently, there are some glitches with the stream. Uh, a lot of people are saying, well, if you just close out and come back, you'll be in good shape. So uh, thanks for sticking it out with us, Rick. Uh, Tate, yeah, I, I didn't actually call your name before, but glad to see you are in there. Um, let's see who else. Uh, Casey, of course, Casey does his thing. He calls out Cooley whenever he comes into the room. So glad to see you're there. And then David uh, and Steve Sheridan, uh, our buddy. But uh, David saying he's going to hit uh, Rod's garage sale at um, at Vegas. Now, uh, one other thing, we have more Sansar events in the works. So if you missed the last two, uh, you can go check out the video of Larry's Stellar Cartography event. That is on YouTube.com slash Roddenberry Prod. And uh, the last one, the white room screening was so cool. In fact, it was so cool. We're going to do it again. Uh, so keep an eye out for events at Sansar, events.sansar.com. And you can go sign up for your free account there. Um, you don't even have to have the VR goggles to do it. You can use it in desktop mode and check that out. So sansar.com. And they will be in Vegas this year with a demo there. So if you haven't been able to experience it for yourself yet, come to the demo table and they will show you all about life in virtual reality and specifically in the Roddenberry Nexus and the Roddenberry Theater. Now, Elijah, I don't know how familiar you are with the, the rules here on Mission Log Live, but every week we do a poll question. All right. So last week we asked, do you get your Star Trek news through social media? Elijah, you might be saying, why in the world would you ask that question? Well, last week was right at the end of a very volatile week on social media for Star Trek news. Now, 82% of you said yes, 18% of you said no, and I, I guess we're all guilty of getting our news through social media. I'm not surprised that the majority uh, there gets their news through social media. The difficulty is whether or not we believe it and whether or not we follow up on the actual sources of that news, and we're being very uh, 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 careful about picking apart news and rumors because, boy, to get get out of hand last week. This week, I wanted to pose a question that might be a topic that you and I get into. Um, I asked, do you feel represented on Star Trek? Now, there's a lot of Star Trek, and people are asking which series, what time frame, uh, through what characters, etc. But, you know, we're talking about the whole Star Trek universe. There's a lot of Star Trek out there. So far, 84% of you say yes, 16% of you say no. Um, it'd be interesting to get into those answers and if we get into that, uh, that conversation. By the way, it looks like we lost Brian who had called in. Brian, call back. Earl will get you connected and, uh, we'll get you here on the air with us. And 
all of the rest of you who are watching who want to weigh in on anything that we talk about tonight, 669-900-6833, type in the meeting code, or just click on the Zoom link that is conveniently there on screen for you, and then you will be connected to us just chatting away. Uh, a news bit unrelated to Star Trek, but very cool. Did you watch that launch last night? Oh, I missed it. I oh. totally missed it last night. Oh, okay. Earl Earl saw it. And, uh, dude, go back and watch the video. It, it's a, a night launch is cool anyway, and these Falcon Heavy rockets are just immensely powerful. Uh, they, of course, they stick the landing with the two boosters always when they uh, touch back down on Earth. But that uh, that third booster that they keep trying to land out in the ocean, uh, it was... Uh, it was not where good. where did it fly out of where did it launch from oh, well this time it flew out of florida okay so it went out of cape canaveral and uh it was close enough to land when the two boosters come in that they could just bring it right back into florida but the third one is it's too far out because it's got to stay with that rocket longer and longer to get it up into orbit so that's the last one to come down they can only land it in the ocean at that point and it was uh, oh yeah I can't remember if it was last year or f- I can't. I think it was late last year in the fall, early winter. They did a launch um, not far off of Maryland, and I got to from where I am in Jersey. Mm-hmm. I parked my car and I was able to see from a distance the rocket go into orbit. It was amazing. It was one of the most r- remarkable things I've ever seen live. So cool. Yeah, they, they're just, they're so, they're just beautiful to watch. And then when you see those things land, when you see those two boosters come straight down, I mean, it looks like something out of a 1950s sci-fi movie. So mm-hmm. yeah, super cool. Go back and watch the video on that. Uh, let's talk about another news item too, before we, uh, we get into any other discussion here. Uh, the latest news of the week, Short Tracks returning with Rebecca Romaine and Ethan Peck. No word on Pike yet, but uh, we did get a picture that was uh, shared out on Instagram from the director, and he's there with Rebecca Romaine and Ethan Peck, uh, not in makeup, not in costume, uh, but they're just as themselves. And uh, he says that they were working on a, on a short track. So we will at least have number one and Spock back. I'm assuming in this time, now that the Enterprise has left uh, space dock after the end of season two of Discovery. Yeah we, just, yeah, we just we reported on it uh, for this week in uh, Trek News, uh, our Trek It Out segment. And, you know, this kind of spins off a little bit on, on something that Alex Kurtzman had said in the Deadline podcast that he that was uh, that, mm-hmm. that around last week. Um, I am all for Star Trek content. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Something that I had voiced concern with is that in that podcast, it almost sounded as if though Kurtzman was saying, I want to throw everything out there. I want to make as much as humanly possible. <laughs> and my only concern about that is that in terms of Star Trek, right? In terms of Star Trek content. Um, my only concern with that is, is there is a limit. There, there is a, a limit to the depth of that wallet, right? Yeah. So as much as he wants to throw at the wall of Star Trek and see what sticks, I'm concerned that if it's not quality content, if it's not content that, that grips an audience, that at some point a higher up is going to be like, eh, no more. No <laughs> All right, more. So, well, so let me ask you this then, because uh, uh, I I get 
the idea that, uh, okay, a season of Discovery is like 50, 13 to 15 episodes, okay? A season of Picard, what have they said now, like 10 or 12 or something like that? Right. A season of the animated show, the first animated show that we know, maybe 10 episodes, 12 episodes, something like that. So the idea is that if you want to have a year's worth of content. I mean, the old days we get 26 episodes in a season, but now you've got to have at least two shows to make that up, right? So I guess the idea is, well, if we want to have at least two thirds of the year or three quarters of the year have original Star Trek content, that will, that will manifest itself in different series that'll have different angles, different, uh, uh, production styles. And if you're not a discovery person, you might be a Picard person, or if you're a kid, you might be into the animated thing. So I want to ask you, well, what are the ones that you are excited about? Or, or is there something they have not yet announced? So you say, Oh man, what I really want to see is, is this other thing. And do you think that if they are breaking it up, like let's say, let's say Discovery runs five seasons. That's being conservative, you know, but, but five seasons of 13 to 15 episodes. Is that okay? Because then you've got an overlap of these other shows that are different shows, different styles that kind of go off on their own, uh, their own trajectory. I mean, I think that from what we've heard and what, what's been announced already, I'm excited for the adult. Honestly, I think I'm excited about the cartoons. Uh, okay. Even the one coming out for Nickelodeon. Um, I mean, I don't know if it, one of the last animated series that I watched and was really impressed by was Disney's uh, Tron. Uh, it wasn't Legacy. That was the yeah, film. no, but, but it was the, the Tron animated show that came after Legacy and it lasted about uh, 10 minutes and it was gone. Yeah. Right, right, right. But that John was Uprising, great. Earl, Earl Uprising. with the wind, John Uprising. Yes. Yeah. Um, that was a great animated series. I mean, at least in my opinion, I thought that it was well produced. I thought the storyline was fantastic. Uh, and I, and went into a world that we've only had two movies about really, you know, in, in some way, shape or form. Um, so I'm ex- and, and I think that animation gives you an opportunity to tell stories that isn't necessarily limited by the constraints of CGI making it look real, so to speak, and spending all that money. Uh, I think, um, I think right now about the, for instance, uh, DC f- cinema, uh, cinema versus DC animation. DC hmm. animation does some phenomenal work. Some of the, some of the best comic book movies out there are from DC and yet they can't capture that magic in real life adaptations. So, I think that I'm excited about the animated the animated series because I think they're going to be able to tell stories in a much more inventive, a much more imaginative way than we would limit limiting ourselves to reality, to the actual physical reality. Despite the despite the the, the uh, advances in CGI, um, I think that they're going to be able to tell just perhaps deeper stories, and I'm I'm and more so. I think that with the adult version of the animated series that we're going to get, we're going to be telling, we're, they're going to be exploring some themes and telling some jokes that are going to either make you laugh or raise an eye. They're going to be absurd. Okay. And I'm really looking forward to Star Trek absurd. Absurd okay. Star Trek a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing, all right? What you're describing is not somebody's Star Trek. 
but it's the Star Trek you want to see that right. pushes the envelope, pushes the boundary. And, and, and I like that because that can exist for you and the people who are on the same, same wavelength as you and will appreciate that. Somebody else is going to get a different show. And uh, I think that's cool. Now, David just said, John, I thought it was mentioned that they want to do Discovery like Walking Dead, minimum 20 seasons. Thoughts on that? Uh, my <laughs> thought is, please, no. Please, no. <laughs> Man, Walking Dead just, uh, boy, I was excited about it for a few seasons, and then I just wanted it to go away. Um, yeah, that that was... Uh, that that did not go well. I, I lost all interest. I stopped recording it. I stopped watching it. Didn't care anymore. So, yeah, no thank you. I don't want it to be like that. Different shows that have different right. angles, different takes, different mediums like animation versus live action. And look, and I love the fact, this comes back to the news item, I love the fact that we're getting shorts that can tell a really specific story um, just focusing on a character or two. Um, obviously I feel like this, uh, with, with this short track being Rebecca Romaine and Ethan Peck, at, at the very least, we know it's in that, uh, that Pike world that we got, that enterprise that we got and that we all loved, uh, uh, coming up on the end of season two of Discovery. So just being able to spend a few more minutes there and see what that's like and see what those characters are like. We got so little of Rebecca Romaine as number one. And I thought what we got of her was gold, was just pure gold. Yeah. So, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Cannot I think wait. that is a short track. That would be, that's an exciting little, uh, avenue to explore um hopefully they they start to tie in a little more to what we've seen and what we what you know what is discovery in some way shape or form uh yeah. but also to answer you know one of the questions you had asked me about you know along this line is about representation yeah yeah i would argue that or my hope is that i see more representation of my of latinos right okay so for those of you that don't that may not be aware. I am. I'm Amer. I was born here in America, uh, but uh, my entire family is from Cuba. Um, yep. I'm first generation American, so I speak Spanish fluently. I have very close ties to the culture. Um, when I get angry, I usually switch into Spanish. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. Oh, don't, don't tailgate me. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, one of the things that I've noticed in, in, in Star Trek. You know, and I want to say this about Deep Space Nine because my girlfriend and I were watching Deep Space Nine and I felt like every time there was a Latino on screen, they die. Like it was like, what, what about that? There was that one episode with Gonzalez. I think it was Gonzalez. And he was like a, a, a main, he played a main character in the episode uh, with O'Brien, right? It was O'Brien and Bashir. They were all kind of caught and he's going to die. Anyway, he dies. But my point is Earl, Earl says the ship. He's here to save you. Yes. Thanks, yeah. Earl. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, it's in, in Discovery, we finally saw a Latino actor. Now, mm. what I call Wilson Cruz's role a lead role, I, I, I would, I would push to say it was supporting. I mean, after all, he was gone for a majority of season two. Um, and they really, pushed that story aside and then again in season two we saw a latino and we saw even some spanish being spoken in star trek with the starfleet medical doctor where when pike calls him he's like oh my abuela is the only one who doesn't use 
who still uses these uh, these on-screen calls and not the not the hollow projection. Right. Um, but I find you know, I I find that I miss a lot of my own culture in Star Trek. Right. Where are the Latinos? Where where are the Latino captains? Right. The closest I ever got to representation in that degree was with Battlestar Galactica Hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, with Edward James almost playing Adama. Mm -hmm. However, even that is obscured because he's wearing blue contacts. He's not Latino. He's Mm. he's, uh, not Capricorn. He's a Tauran. Yes. Yes. Um, so it's not a, it's not, it's not explicitly said that he is Latino. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, you know, it's a Latino playing a guy with blue, a guy, right? Yeah. So I would love, you know, and I, I remember when, when Discovery first came out and there was a lot of, lot of pushback from certain groups about having a female black actor playing the lead in a Star Trek role. And I'm like, yo, Cool your jets, because more than anything, what for me in my representation, my captain would be Latino, mm-hmm. and to have Sonequa Martin Green take on this role is phenomenal for the Star Trek franchise. So, yeah, my future Star Trek would include a few more Ortiz, Geo, mm-hmm. Hernandez, taking a more active participant role in moving the story forward for Star Trek. You know, so it's interesting that in uh, the very first draft and in Gene's version of The Cage, you know, Jose Tyler is uh, is one of the bridge officers. Now, his last name is Tyler, <laughs> but uh, but he, he was intended as a regular bridge officer character who has a Latino background. Hmm. But we didn't get that character. What we got was a white guy uh, playing that role. And then that became a role that just disappeared after the cage then was rejected and where no man uh, is uh, uh, takes its place and then carries on the rest of Star Trek history. I wonder, by the way, a, a couple of people in the chat here are, are just saying, uh, uh, Joyce says, what about Belana? Um, any thoughts there about uh, Belana Torres? So it, uh, I forget. I forget if Roxanne Dawson is in fact, if she identifies as Latino, I, cause mm-hmm. I remember reading into this and I don't know that she does in fact identify as Latina. I know that she, her, it's in her, it's in her heritage. It's in her blood. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Belana was portrayed as, a Klingon, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, one would argue that, well, she was like a Latina woman, you know, so feist, uh, hold up, hold up. She was definitely more Cuban than, I mean, uh, more Klingon than anything else. <laughs> now, if, if she, if we were going to, uh, dive into the Torres part of her character, which I, did we ever, did we ever talk about? Not that I really recall. Her surname, right? About her being a Torres. Um, you know, if maybe she had gotten ripped into Spanish instead of going into Klingon when she was really upset, maybe <laughs> Spanish every once in a while. If somebody's tailgating so, her, uh, yeah. right? If somebody's, somebody's yeah. tailgating the, the the Voyager, yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, I feel like even there, that was a missed opportunity. She was definitely the, the, the dichotomy of her humanity and her, her, uh, her, her, her Klingon genes was definitely explored in Voyager. Um, we even had that one episode where they're split. Um, but what made her Torres, right? What made yeah. her a Torres? And I don't think, I don't think we ever got an answer to that. Well, I, so I, I guess what I come back to is I, I wonder what parts of what characters need to be explored to what extent, you know? So we, we do go to great lengths with a character like Worf or with Milana to explore their Klingon selves and Milana's half human, half Klingon. But as you point out, really the, the story is about her being half Klingon and, and uh, her relationships with, uh, with the rest of the crew and with uh, with Worf or with Spock, we really do the deep dive into their cultural history. Um, but with a lot of the other human characters, we just don't, you know. Uh, uh, so th- there's not a whole lot about Sulu being Japanese. There are little glimpses of that, and we had the luxury of having a character that got developed over 30 years, so we could kind of go back and and put pieces together for him. I mean, I would even say with a character like Kirk, well, the thing that we know about his cultural background is that he's from Iowa. Um, and that, but, but that, that's pretty much where the, the identifiers with that character ends, and it really just becomes about the journey that that he's on it's not about the cultural context so i i i guess i'm wondering you know what what are the what are the hallmarks or or what are the character aspects that you would like to see explored whether it's with a latino character or or otherwise i mean i i think it, I, I look at discovery right which is probably one of the or not one of the but perhaps the most diverse casts in this, in star trek production mm-hmm. um and I, you know I, I i'm i'm in mentally looking around the bridge right and i think immediately of owu right um she and, and and we but we briefly got we only briefly got a backstory for her right mm-hmm. this was from mm-hmm. a luddite colony right but beyond that we didn't really explore much, right? And we only got yeah. that one episode where she was really, where, where she really had the opportunity to shine. Um, with, uh, Wilson Cruz's character at, mm-hmm. w- at one point, it almost became like shtick that he was Latino, right? That, mm-hmm. you know, when, when, uh, Georgiou calls him Poppy, you know? Yeah. Like, take offense to because I am the first Cuban Star Trek <laughs> Poppy. How dare they? <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, it I liked, for instance, how they treated even the, the that gl- that glimmer with the doctor, right? Yeah. That that Pike uh, calls. Yeah. Um. His his bilingual bilingual mm-hmm. the fact that he's bilingual works its way into the conversation, right? It's it's yo my abuela my abuela still uses it. It is identifying that in the future. It is, we are, we are of many different locations and from many different backgrounds culturally, but we are all together as one. Mm-hmm. So if I say abuela, if I talk about my, my, my Latino heritage, it is, it, it informs what's happening in the story. It, it, it informs you about who I am and what my identity is. 
Yeah. Um, so it doesn't become just a, a, a checkbox. Like I, like, you know, I think back in uh, the DS, DS9 documentary, right? Where they, where they did the, there was that sequence where they were, he was going through the checkboxes of what Deep Space Nine covered. And then they talk about, uh, LGBTQ representation and he doesn't really check off that box. Well, yeah. if you're going to be representing other cultures, like you mentioned Sulu and his Japanese background, um, you know, Scotty's background, you know, the poor guy was about his drinking. Like that's not, that's not what, the, <laughs> what that's about. Right. Um, you know, and Latinos are not all Sofia Vergara from modern family. You know, like we're not all about that. We are a contributing force to the community, the global community and hopefully the universal community. Okay. Well, I, I want you to hold that thought, and I'm going to uh, put the shout-out again to our viewing and listening audience, whether it's about uh, inclusion or any of the news of the week or any other Trek or non-Trek topic you want us to hit. Give us a call tonight, 669-900-6833. Uh, we lost Brian. Uh, I mean, not you know physically, but just on the line. We don't have Brian. So, Brian, if you're listening, hit us back. Are you other folks who are in the chat? Go ahead and hit the uh, hit the link to the Zoom meeting, and Earl will connect you to me and Elijah. You can use the one tap from your smartphone that will connect you again to that number six six nine nine hundred six eight three three, and you'll put in the meeting ID, and then you will be on with us. But we're taking this break because. I want to mention somebody who is actually in the chat, who is a regular viewer of our show. He was saying hi right at the top of the show, and uh, I see him. Oh, and he actually left a comment. Pixar would make Star Trek so interesting. I would love to see a Pixar version oh, of Star two Trek. Starship, two starships that are like they love each other and they <laughs> separated somehow, and then they come together. And each other at the end. It's the tearjerker at the end. You you figured it out. I mentioned Scott because you have heard me talk about no, Scott Geckley's. I'm sorry, it's got to be Geckley's. I take it back. It's a love story about Geckley's. That's the excellent <laughs> Pixar story. Come on. Nah. Got to stop. Hold that thought. Uh, Scott Palm, he is in the chat tonight. And uh, the reason we bring him up is that he is a friend of the show. And we have been uh, promoting the fundraiser that we set up for Scott, the Heroic Curriculum. Now, Scott has teamed up with the Pop Culture Hero Coalition. That, of course, is the foundation created by Chase Masterson with the goal of ending childhood bullying. So the heroic curriculum, very specifically developed by Scott in coordination with the Pop Culture Hero Coalition, has two important goals. Number one is about teaching children who have serious physical disabilities the values of resilience, having a healthy identity, and breaking barriers, and other crucial mental health and life skills. And the other important part of this curriculum is reaching the peers of those children who have disabilities and teaching them values of inclusion and ending marginalization and being an ally for their peers. Now, I don't know what sounds more Star Trek than those types of values about diversity and inclusion with other people. Now, October is Bullying Prevention Month. So we're a few months away from the start of the school year, and what we want to do is reach our goal, and we are more than halfway there, so that we can make sure that Scott's program can start then and run for a full six months. This is great work. This is crucial work, reaching kids who need to hear this message. And let me tell you, it's not the easiest thing in the world for Scott to do because Scott has cerebral palsy. 
which is why the Roddenberry Foundation is joining with you to help Scott help the world. So go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash mission log pod. You will see a link to the fundraiser pinned right at the top there. And every dollar that you give will be matched by the Roddenberry, Roddenberry Foundation. So you will be contributing to something that truly embraces the values of Star Trek and put it into action. Remember, the Roddenberry Foundation doubles your donations. So if you can only give a dollar, that dollar becomes two dollars. If you can give five bucks, that becomes ten bucks. If you give fifty, that becomes a hundred bucks. So do that today at facebook.com slash mission log pod. Look for the post at the top of the page, make a donation. And I ask of you, even if you can't make a donation, just share the post. Just get the word out to as many people as you can. We would all appreciate it. And we will all be helping to make the world a better place. So, uh, and there he is. There's Scott. Uh, Scott says another group that needs more attention is people with disabilities. have been very few in Trek. And you are not wrong, sir. So, yeah. yeah. Cannot disagree with you there. So, everybody who's in the chat right now, you can say hi to Scott. Scott Palm. He's the guy we were just talking about in our break. And uh, please do. You know, I, I really got to know Scott pretty well over the last couple of years. Uh, he is a heck of a guy. I love seeing him at Vegas. I don't think he's going to be there this year. Uh, but he did actually, uh, Elijah, you mentioned the DS9 documentary. Chase went up to Seattle and uh, took Scott to the premiere there. So oh, uh, they got awesome. to hang out. Yeah, yeah. So very, you know, and I would argue too, you know, with, uh, with representation with people with disabilities in Star Trek, I don't know that it would be, um, you know, and Scott, I'm sure, you know, could comment on this too, is that I don't know that it would be in anyone's best interest to say Star Trek cures everything, right? Mm-hmm. But and how are, how does Starfleet encourage and empower anyone, uh, with an accessibility issue of the disability to, mm-hmm contribute in the grander scheme of the federation right it's not about trying to fix everybody it's about giving people the tools and i would i would i would argue that that uh discovery and any version of cbs has an has an opportunity now you know we had the pads turn into ipads right? <laughs> right. Exploring technologies that could uh enable people with disabilities in some way and exploring what that might look like in the future yeah Hop on the phone with us, guys, 669-900-6833, or click the Zoom meeting link, and uh, Earl will connect you to me and Elijah. Um, I, I, I want to kind of present a couple of different ideas here when we're talking about inclusion and representation. Um, I, I remember meeting somebody years ago uh, when I lived in New York. He was an actor, and he had a physical disability, uh, so he walked with crutches. And, um, he, he, you know, all of his life, he has had to walk with crutches and, uh, he was making somewhat a living as an actor. He would get, uh, you know, the occasional guest starring role, that kind of thing. And, um, he, he made a very interesting point to me, which was, he said that, you know, sometimes he would go in and he'd read for something and, uh, the, the part was a sort of a generic part. And, uh, whoever was casting to say, well, look, you know, we're, we're just casting the actor. Uh, we're, we're not really casting for a type. And we just want to make sure that we're treating anybody who has a disability like anybody else. And he was always the first to say, 
but it's not like anybody else. Right. <laughs> you know, if, if, uh, what I do on a day to day basis by navigating the world on crutches, uh, like that changes how I do things. That makes me different from the way that other people have to interact with the world. He said, I would love to see that actually addressed in a script. I would love to see that addressed as a character trait, as something that a character has to deal with. And uh, he, he ain't wrong. You right, know? Right. Yeah. Um, I, I, now I'm going to fast forward a bit to uh, something that I thought was an interesting idea and a very controversial one. And we'll probably have to have yet another show and, and other guests to talk about this and unpack this. Um, go back to the eighties. And there's that famous moment that uh, a, a fan asked Gene Roddenberry at a convention, when are we going to have a gay or lesbian character on Star Trek? And Gene said, you know, it's about time. And he went back to the production offices. And then this became a thing at Next Gen, trying to figure out how to do this. And the question became, well, do we do this in such a way where we're making it a thing that this is the gay character? Because then are we marginalizing? Are we tokenizing that character? Are we making that the defining trait of this character? Or are we just saying, well, you wouldn't know anyway, because Star Trek isn't a show that digs too deeply into our characters' sex lives, unless it's James Kirk. You know, you know, those hot button terms like, you know, making somebody the token character and marginalizing. Yeah. I think it's, look, it was easy to play and tell a story about Christopher Pike having had Christianity a major part in his life and influencing mm-hmm. his decisions. That is why can't we write stories and write characters where their culture, their lives influence their decisions, right? I mean, we don't think twice. We didn't think twice about that with the Pike. On the contrary, it was like, wow, that's wow, that's deep. Wow, that's so deep. <laughs> you had all this theology, this theology background. Well, okay, that's cool. But you know, it 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 our lives, every aspect of our lives, every aspect of our uh, cultures, every aspect of our lifestyles informs our decisions in a way that that uh, that that may not. Uh, approach an idea of the way somebody else might. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to say, to make a character, you know, gay or Latino or black or, or Asian, just to say it, just to do it, just to hit a checkbox to hit that demographic isn't going to do anything for a plot or story. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you, yeah, there, there was one moment in discovery where, where we almost got it right. It was like, Oh, we almost had it with, with Wilson Cruz. And he's talking about, how, you know, his favorite dish is mofongo, right? I mean, that was, uh-huh. that was close, <laughs> but not close enough. At that point, saying that he liked a Latino dish was just saying he liked a Latino dish because he's brown. Well, well look, I, I, I identify every time Trip Tucker talked about catfish. So <laughs> that, that speaks to me. Okay. How, in does, a big that way. Inform, how does that inform his, his, you know, the, uh, last minute decisions, those, those <laughs> under the wire pressure moments, right? Like, 
Man, if I finish this, I can go have some catfish. I guess, man. <laughs> I guess that could have been it. That's I, what's on my mind. It's like, if I finish <laughs> this, go get some food. It's, but, I, you know, I, I think comparatively, I think, again, it's, I think of Chris Pike, right? His, uh, his life, his parents taught him Christianity. His parents raised him to be a Christian. He went off and studied it for a bit. Um, that is, that is no more or less important to influencing a person's life than me being Cuban, than somebody, than somebody's sexual uh, orientation. And that should be the driving force to a character's decisions making, right? The way a character thinks, the way it did for Pike. It shouldn't be, oh, I'm going to speak really loudly because I'm Latino and that's expected. <laughs> I pulled away from the mic for everybody's, for everybody's uh, auditory. I, I, see, I, I feel like Discovery pulled its punches when it came to this theme of uh, uh, faith versus science or, or belief versus empiricism. Like they started to have that conversation and then it just went away because it, it became about the mystery of the red angel and solve the right. mystery of the red. And I'm like, look, just solve that in a couple of episodes, please just figure that out. Go ahead and reveal it. Then let's get back to the ideas that you're actually talking about. Right. Uh, and and the the only if really the only lip service they gave it again at the end was Michael Burnham saying, "Oh, so I guess this is a leap of faith that I'm going to do this thing." Well, except that you're covered in technology, and the smartest person in the universe is in the little shuttle next to you, telling you what to do. You know. Yep. 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 But you know, yes, they pulled their they almost certainly pulled their punches. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is that with Pike, we all, for, I think collectively, we all loved Pike. And I think sure. we all know Pike sure. was written well. He was written well for a character that had an episode and a, and a half in the original series, right? Yeah. Is that fair yeah. to say? An episode and a half in the original series? Yeah. Um, and the background that they gave him influenced his decisions, right? Mm-hmm. I, and, and comparatively, Wilson Cruz's decisions were separate from 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 his culture. So to to answer that original question, yeah, I would like I would like to see a minority character portrayed in a way that that their culture informs their decision. In a oh I'm oh I'm having lunch. I guess I'm going to have rice and beans. Like informed <laughs> decision. Like that's not what I'm going to do. Right? I want my culture. You know. Uh, there, okay, uh, here's a great example uh, for for personally, right? Cubans yeah. tend to be considered um, very handy. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, ingenuity is the mind that the, 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 mm-hmm. the mind, right? You have Cubans that will fashion an old 1950s Ford pickup truck to be a boat, a motor boat, nice across that nice. 50 mile stretch of water, yeah. Yeah. right? Cubans are, you know, uh, uh, meticulous. They, they, they can fat, you know, they're, they're, I can't think of the word. Um, great engineering, right? Okay. So, yeah. um, you know, I would, uh, uh, give me a Cuban engineer who can whip something up like MacGyver because that's, you know, that's the, that's the, you know, and it's not, nece- it's not necessarily a stereotype of, of, of the Cuban culture. Cubans have to be on their toes. They are, they have to scrap. 
right? They, they are, they are a struggling nation where everything is limited to them. So they have to, they have to get by with what they've got, right? So give me a Cuban captain that can MacGyver the crap out of something to, to save the warp core. There's the, there's the, the comparative, the, the comparison that I can think of, the example that I can think of. I, I like that, but just MacGyver the crap out of something, uh, you, using your Cuban, uh, background skills. I think that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit here because a, a little while earlier I saw a, a comment here from Chris Riker. He says, I don't recall Ken and John loving, uh, how sharper than a serpent's tooth. Uh, but I loved it exactly because it showed a new for seventies TV cartoons culture. Are, are you an animated series fan? Uh, no. Oh, uh, I tried, but I haven't uh, gone. Man, I, I'm so full of disappointment now. Uh, I mean, I usually I am. know what my homework is. <laughs> well, look, I, to answer Chris, um, yes, I, I actually, I loved that episode. I, I think the magics of Megas 2 really stood out, uh, because of its, um, it's very provocative stance and, and it's challenge to the audience, but how sharper than a serpent's tooth is neck and neck with magics of Megas two and challenging the idea like, Oh, by the way, this, this God that this culture believed in eh, just an alien. Uh, this is something perfectly explainable by natural forces. And uh, that's just a thing. But now we have the technology to understand it instead of being afraid of it. But, the, the cultural context in How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth was like a, uh, an Aztec, Mayan-ish, uh, sort of, you know, ancient South American uh, look and feel to that. And I, and I forget the exact name of the the alien god in that. But um, yes, but that, that was a really interesting attempt in the animated series to do something, um, do something a bit, uh, a bit, different so yes um and yeah go ahead i was gonna say i know we haven't had any calls yet but i think there might be a problem on faith there's a a bit of a transmission issue on facebook so i don't know if it's worth sharing it in the chat with the number to call or whatnot but um yeah yeah a lot of people have been having a a bit of trouble with the chat tonight but i did see the bunch of people jump ship and whatever youtube they said it was streaming very nicely over there. So, uh, so we're, we're going to do all right with that. Uh, let's see. Scott is mentioning, uh, uh, Spock screwed up family. Um, and then, uh, uh, we, we also have, uh, Chicote being brought up here. Tried a bit with Chicote with bad results. And I think we're talking about giving some cultural context to him. Uh, I, I, I feel like you're probably not a Voyager fan. Are you, Elijah? Um, <laughs> no, I like it. I, I don't. It's not my top, but I mean, I do, I have watched it and I have gone through, through from beginning to end. Um, uh, you know, I can't speak on behalf of, you know, the, what the representation was for Native Americans. Um, yeah. I felt that Chicote's Chicote was a bit of a caricature of that. Um, you know, it wasn't, I mean, there were, there were some moments of that, that, that peacefulness, that tranquility, that kind of, that, that he tried to be with, with Jane. Maybe that's, you know, that's what, that's the kind of influence that I'm talking about where, you know, it's, it's think first, then act. Um, but then, then they, they, you know, then they take, took some left and right turns. But again, I can't really, I can't speak for on behalf. I, I'm not, 
I'm not of Native American descent in any way, shape, or form to be able to comment as to how they were represented. But um, yeah, I feel like in some instances, you know, first of all, I don't think he's even Native American. The what's his name? Oh, uh, Robert Beltran. Yeah, Robert Beltran. I think he's actually yeah. of Mexican descent. Right. Um, with like no connection to Native American Mexican descent, I think. Um, so, you know, that in and of itself can be a problem, right? Is casting correctly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Um, hey, very quickly, I want to uh, do what we do as we're approaching the end of the show tonight. Still have room if uh, anybody wants to call into the show. Uh, again, that number is on the screen, or you can click on the Zoom meeting link. But I do want to mention, especially since we have Elijah here tonight, the rest of the Roddenberry Podcast Network. And you might be asking, what's on the Roddenberry Podcast Network? Well, well, you got Mission Log. That comes out Thursdays, and that is an episode-by-episode deep analysis of Star Trek. You got Mission Log Live, which, well, you are deep into right now. Uh, you've got Priority One Podcast. Oh, look, Priority One. Join them live on Tuesday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. You got Women at Warp. You've got the Trek Files. The newest addition to the lineup is Daily Star Trek News, and literally in 10 minutes, you get a daily rundown of what you need to know about Star Trek and the headlines. Could be uh, studio news, could be uh, new releases, could be new products, could be actors in the news. A little bit of everything. In 10 minutes, you will get all the Star Trek news that you need for the day. Elijah, since I just mentioned the network, podcast.roddenberry.com, for anybody who has not picked up Priority One, what are they getting into when they download your show? So on Fridays, you can get a weekly roundup of what's going on in the Star, in the Star Trek multiverse uh, specific, with a focus on Star Trek gaming. So we have a great working relationship with uh, the folks over at Star Trek Online who produce the free-to-play MMOs uh, Star Trek Online, uh, where you can captain your own ship, whether you are Klingon, Federation, Romulan, you name it. You can continue the story in Star Trek Online for the free-to-play MMO. And uh, like I said, we just most just today we had the community manager on our show to guest host. So every Friday, you can get your weekly roundup of news from all sorts of Star Trek multiverse goodness. Very good. By the way, uh, I got a, a note from Earl, our technical director. He says that uh, Restream, which is uh, what we use, says they're, they're actually having trouble on the Facebook end of things. So that, that's what's going on. But uh, funny enough, Dave in the chat says uh, we're suffering through the great buffering of 2019. Yes, yes, we'll all remember this day. The great buffering of 2019. And hey, and this on purpose, didn't you, John? It was because I, I, I guest host. You were like, I got to censor this guy somehow. I did, like Ken's out of town. Let's just, uh, who cares? We're just going to do this on a 56k <laughs> modem, and yeah. Uh, but but hey, Finn says daily Star Trek news rocks. Priority one rocks. So uh, Finn, thank you for the support of all of these Roddenberry Podcast Network shows. So, uh, Elijah, there's a little thing that we like to do on Mission Log Live that we haven't done in a while, and I apologize that I did not give you a heads up on this. Usually that's my job as kind of the guest wrangler, co-host. Uh, that would be the lightning round. Now, uh, are you familiar with how lightning rounds work? 
maybe. Okay. <laughs> so first. a lightning round is like this. I'm going to throw a bunch of questions at you in rapid succession. I don't want you to think about the answer. You're just going to blurt out whatever answer feels good at the time. Okay. Are you going to me for the therapeutic session here? Oh, completely. Yeah. All right, great. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. Here we go. Are already people in the chat are excited about this. We got the graphic up. Lightning round is coming. All right, Elijah, favorite Trek series? TNG. Okay. Favorite Star Trek movie? Wrath of Khan. Favorite Star Trek starship? Sovereign. Ooh, the Enterprise E, huh? Okay. Borg Queen, yes or no? Yes. Ooh, favorite tech from Star Trek. Um, that is not a tech from Star Trek. I, <laughs> um, how they removed, I'm sorry, uh, the hypospray. Uh, oh, oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, favorite warp speed? 9.3. Oh, that's a good one. Okay, date night. Are you going to the Arboretum or to 10 forward? Uh, 10 forward. I'm allergic to flowers. <laughs> <laughs> I think also Ticonderoga, man. That's great. Have you been there? I haven't. Now, uh, have you, you've like been there, church. right? Yes, it's like going to church. Yeah. <laughs> it, I walk in there and it's like, oh. Did you go for uh, one of the, the fan meetings, the, the fan meetup thing? I went during when Carl Urban and um, Gates McFadden were there. And I actually, I actually got to shoot pool with Carl Urban. Whoa. I was yeah. freaking out the entire time. That's pretty rad. That's pretty that was- awesome. Yeah, I haven't been to Ticonderoga, but I, I've been down to um uh to Kingsland where they shot Star Trek Continues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to work on that. And it, it was it was an emotional experience. It wasn't exactly the emotional experience I thought I would have, uh, because I heard about people walking in and just like bursting into tears. I didn't have exactly that, but it, it was still, it, it was, um, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that sometime. It was very interesting. Um, my friend, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I will see you in a little over a month, uh, in Vegas. So that's, that's exciting. Um, thank you for having me. Uh, other than our usual shenanigans, uh, anything to look forward to will be at the table. We'll be doing panel stuff and, and we'll be at the masquerade bar at night. Uh, that pretty much right. cover it. That pretty much covers it. All right. And remind everybody where they can find you other than podcast.roddenberry.com. That's at priority1podcast.com or just uh, find us on Instagram or Twitter at priority1pod and uh, Facebook at priority1podcast. Excellent. Thank you so much. And as we sign off, just a reminder that Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live is by Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log, but also Women at Warp, Priority One, The Trek Files, and your new daily Star Trek news. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Lots of fun things over there, including early access videos to your weekly Mission Log. Thanks to everyone who joined us live or later, and we will talk to you next week. Podcast.roddenberry.com, the Roddenberry Podcast Network.